Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. Be worthy as gospel citizens or behave as citizens worthy of the gospel. See, everybody in Philippi would be trying to let their manner of life be worthy of Rome or behave as citizens of Rome. And he takes that and he flips it upside down and says, no, behave as citizens of the gospel. So what does that mean then, to behave as a citizen of the gospel of Christ? Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Jesus himself commanded us to give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. We're to be good citizens in the country we dwell in. This means respecting the laws insofar as they don't contradict Scripture. As Pastor Ricky continues to explore the first chapter of Philippians in today's message, we are reminded of our greater citizenship. As believers, we're members of God's kingdom. His kingdom is one of grace, love, and justice, and those values should govern every aspect of our lives. Let's join Pastor Ricky now for part one of his message, Gospel Citizens, from the book of Philippians, chapter one. Turn to the book of Philippians. If you're not sure where that is, there's probably the beginning of your Bible, a handy table of contents. It's in the New Testament. You can find that or look it up on your Bible app. Philippians, we're going to be in chapter one, wrapping chapter one up today. Now, I know a little bit about Mississippi because my granddad grew up in Mississippi on the border with Alabama. And our family uh, a few years ago took a kind of heritage trip to go see where granddad grew up. Um, And so being in that part of country, I was interested when I saw an article about the neighboring county to where my granddad grew up. He grew up in Wayne County. Uh, Next to it is Jones County. And recently I learned about Jones County, an interesting fact. Jones County has the unique distinction of being the only place that I'm aware of in the Civil War that declared independence from the rest of Confederate Mississippi. So it rebelled against the rebellion, in a sense. A Smithsonian Magazine article chronicles that this happened because of a poor white farmer named Newton Knight who led an extraordinary rebellion during the Civil War. With a company of like-minded white men in Southeast Mississippi, he did what many Southerners now regard as unthinkable. He waged a guerrilla war against the Confederacy and declared loyalty to the Union. In spring of 1864, the Knight Company overthrew the Confederate authorities in Jones County and raised the United States flag over the county courthouse in Ellisville. The county was known thereafter as the Free State of Jones. Now, a variety of reasons led to this secession, right? Not every aspect of it is super high-minded. This guy, Newton Knight, wasn't always the best guy, but uh, there were some reasons that led to their secession from the Confederacy, including Newton's desire to marry a black woman, a general sympathy with the Union cause and the abolitionist cause, uh, anger at the corrupt taxation policies of the Confederate government, and imagine this, I just, this boggles my mind that in the middle of this sea of Confederate flags flying over the South in the Civil War, there was one U.S. flag 
flying over one courthouse in the heart of Mississippi. Now, why, why would I tell you this story? Well, because in our text today, we're going to learn about the nature of the Christian life and see that the nature of the Christian life is a lot like the free state of Jones. Uh, Paul is writing to a group of believers in Philippi whose citizenship has suddenly changed. He's calling them to embrace the change, to raise a new flag, as it were, to live a new life. He's calling them in in the heart of the Roman Empire and the city that was so proud to be Roman, he is encouraging them to raise a different flag over themselves and their lives, a different and spiritual flag. And we're gonna see today that this new life that Paul is calling them to and calling us to is more costly than we think, but it's more glorious than we could ever imagine. So let's read God's word today. Philippians 1, beginning in verse 27, and this is God's holy an authoritative word. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. This is God's word. Well, the main idea today is simple. It's this, live as a worthy gospel citizen, okay? Main idea is live as a worthy gospel citizen. Now, I know as soon as I give you that main idea, you should have a flag that pops up in your mind and go, wait, wait a minute. I didn't read anything in there about a citizen. Where are you getting that? Perfect, great observation. That leads us to point number one, the plea. Point number one, the plea, his plea is living worthy. Now, Paul's statement here is not only the key statement of the whole paragraph, it's the key state, it's a key statement in the whole letter and actually a key statement in all of Paul's writing in the New Testament. It's verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. I'm going to break this down in three segments. First, let's look at that word only. That, that is such an important word. In English, it it sort of comes across sometimes as him saying just, like just let your manner of life be worthy. Uh, Just uh, as almost as if he's saying, hey guys, just try to pay attention here, okay? Just try to do this for me, okay guys? No, that's not how he's using it. He he says only do this. He's saying essentially out of this whole letter, I want you to do one thing for me, okay? One thing, that, that is profound because Paul is boiling down essentially the, the content of all of his exhortations in this letter down to one exhortation, only do this. But this only is packed with meaning because of what he says. You know, when I was gonna marry my wife, Jen, had a conversation with her dad and her dad only asked me to do one thing. This is what he said, take care of her, right? Now, I knew, though, that that one simple ask encompassed 
pretty much everything, right? That, that, in that just take care of her is for, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness, and in health, right? It's, it's one ask, but it encompasses everything. And Paul is doing the same thing. Only do this, he says. So what is that thing he wants us to do? Second, let your manner of life be worthy. Now, I want you to trust your English Bible because really through excellent scholarship, any good translation of the Bible in English is so, so reliable. Um, you should be able to get the basic meaning of really any section, any passage well. There's not like some secret meanings hidden somewhere in the Greek. These are faithful translations. But there are places like our text today where, where people struggle to pull over the full meaning of what was meant in the Greek into English. So many of your translations, you'll, you'll notice this, will probably have, after only let your manner of life be worthy, a little footnote. Do you guys have that? A lot of you guys have that little footnote? If you jump down, if you look at the footnote, it says Greek, only behave as citizens worthy, right? So so there are two things going on. First, let your manner of life be worthy and behave as citizens worthy. And those two things together are kind of the meaning of the phrase. That uh, let your manner of life be worthy is summed up in, in this one Greek word, politueste, which, has, which is where we get the Greek word for polis or the English word for politics, right? It's this idea of a manner of life that's wrapped up in being a citizen. So a manner of life, yes, but, but sort of your political manner of life, your allegiance, the way that you live as a citizen. And Paul, I know Paul intends to make that kind of a political kind of statement, citizen-like statement, because later in this same letter, Philippians 3.20, he reminds them, but your citizenship is in heaven, or our citizenship is in heaven. Now, this would have been really meaningful to the church in Philippi. And really what Paul is doing here is brilliant because of the nature of this city and its area. See, the area of Philippi was, was essentially a Roman colony where it, its population swelled because some generals settled a large number of their veterans in this area. The city was very proudly Roman. Uh, many of the people there dressed in the Roman style. The city's layout itself was patterned after Rome, like just a little version of it. And the city carried a very, very important distinction. Its citizens were allowed to be Roman citizens. Now, this is different for us because in America, right, if you're born anywhere in America, you're like an American citizen, right? Well, imagine for a minute that the only people that had the rights of America were people born in D.C. And the rest of us didn't get American passports. We have Texas passports, lesser passports, New Mexican passports. I'm sorry, you know, whatever. And it's the people in the capital that have the citizenship. And Roman citizenship in the ancient world was everything. It meant that, that basic, you, you, you could demand basic legal um, protections. They couldn't beat you or throw you in jail without a trial. Um, you, there were certain punishments they weren't even allowed to give you. You could, as Paul is doing right now, you could appeal to Caesar directly to hear your case if you didn't trust your own municipal government. 
And so he's living in this, this area where everybody in Philippi considered themselves better than the surrounding area, right? They were a little outpost of Rome. And so they, were, they, they didn't look to like the rest of Macedonia as their cultural kind of connection. They looked to Rome. And Paul, to these people, he says, be worthy as gospel citizens or behave as citizens worthy of the gospel. See, everybody in Philippi would be trying to let their manner of life be worthy of Rome or behave as citizens of Rome. And he takes that and he flips it upside down and says, no, behave as citizens of the gospel. So what does that mean then, to behave as a citizen of the gospel of Christ? Well, this word gospel literally means good News. It was the kind of word that you used when there was a battle going on on the front lines and they would send a runner back to the city with the message. Like, did we make it? Are we saved? Are we all about to be conquered? And the, the runner would bring a message, a proclamation of good news, of victory, that we're saved, we're victorious. This is good news in that day. But it's not just any good news. It's good news of the gospel of Christ. Paul would write that in 1 Corinthians 15, this good news is centered on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It is the proclamation that Jesus was the God-man, fully God and fully man, that he was the long-awaited Christ, the Savior. It is the good news that rather, God, that rather than God giving us what we deserve, he gave us what we, we did not deserve in Christ. That rather than suffering for our own sins, Christ suffered for the sins of his people. It is the good news that anyone who believes in Christ can be saved and brought into God's family and given eternal life, right? This is really, really, really good news, but... All of that good news means a radical change in our allegiance and the way that we relate to the world around us. Colossians 1.13 says that God has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves, right? So our, uh, when we're saved... It's not as though, okay, it's just me and the Lord, that's all that changes. No, no, no. Our whole relationship to the world around us changes. We've been brought from the domain of darkness spiritually into the kingdom of light spiritually. We, in a sense, when we're saved, raise a new flag over our lives. Now, this new flag is not a political flag, not an earthly flag, but a spiritual flag. Ray Ortland, uh, a pastor, commented this week that was, I thought this comment was so right on, that he says that the, the Christian church doesn't approach the world from the right or the left politically. It approaches the world from above, right? Our, our identity is not like, okay, are you on this party or this party? Our, our, our allegiance is, is far above all of that. And that's what it means to be a citizen of the gospel. Now, what does it mean to live worthy, though, of the gospel? or live as a worthy citizen of the gospel. Well, living worthy of the gospel does not mean, just to get this out of the way, does not mean that somehow we earn the gospel. It's not as though God says, okay, listen, I'm gonna give you a loan. I'm gonna send Jesus, he's gonna bail you out, but you've gotta pay me back. 
like God is some sort of heavenly loan shark that's like, sure, I can take that debt off of your hands for a small fee, right? Like that, that's not at all what, what, what Paul is saying here. We cannot pay him back. That's the whole point of the gospel. Instead, what this means is that we live in a manner that agrees with and accords with and lines up with the gospel. John Piper says something I love, which is that for the Christian, the gospel functions as the constitution for the Christian's citizenship. It functions almost as the charter, right? When the, the, the colonies were settled in the United States, like Massachusetts and Virginia, they received a charter for these people and they could have this and do this, right? That outlined who, who they were to be and what they were allowed to do. In a sense, the gospel functions as our charter, our constitution. We have King Jesus as our pattern of life in Christ. And we have as our goal, the proclamation of King Jesus, And see, in Philippi, there is this struggle going on. Everyone is there saying, no, 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 we're not like the rest of these people. We're citizens of Rome. We live according to that pattern. That is our manner of life, as they say that in their toga, thinking themselves better than the other Macedonian neighbors. But Paul is saying, no, 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 not that at all. You may be citizens of Rome, but you are far more than that. You are gospel citizens, and you're to live according to that pattern. Now, it's important to understand that, that what Paul is doing here. Um, he's not advocating for isolation or assimilation. He's advocating for a, a different way of interacting with the world. He's not advocating for isolation and telling the Philippians, okay, you know what you guys need to do? You guys need to just get out of the city, get out of the countryside somewhere, start your own thing where you can live the way you want to apart from these pagans out there. But that doesn't do any good because their whole mission is to proclaim the Christ and make disciples, right? Which is why a few years ago, I just was aghast when there was a proposal for a bunch of Christians in America to move to like one of the Carolinas, I think it was South Carolina or something, and secede from America and start a Christian nation. And I'm like, but... But the only thing that's wrong with that is embedded in the gospel itself is a drive and a mission to proclaim the gospel to other people. Right? So, so that's like beside the point. It's like, okay, now what? Now you have to go back out over there. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't make any sense. So not advocating for isolation. He's not advocating for assimilation either. Right? He's not advocating to like, you know what? You just dress and live and line your life up with the Roman way of life. But when you go home, instead of praying to Caesar, just pray to the Lord and that's all you really need to do. He's not saying look like them in every respect except for your own personal kind of spirituality. This is is against kind of both of those perspectives. And remember this, Paul is saying that the entirety of this letter's content, the entirety of our imperative as Christians is this, to live as worthy gospel citizens. So here's my question. Are you living as a worthy gospel citizen? Now, that can seem a little bit vague, so I'm going to try to make it more specific. What is the standard that you compare your life to? What is your pattern? What is your constitution? If you've got to write a constitution for your life, what is your pattern, your charter? What are you trying to live up to? In our world, there's all kinds of competing molds that compete for kind of the way that our lives are shaped. One of them is just the way your family was growing up. 
You compare yourself to them. Am I better or worse than my parents? Are we nicer than them? Are we better than money? For some of you, it's, it's man, I just, that's all I want to be is like my parents. Or for some of you, it's like, I want nothing to do. I want to be the opposite of my parents, right? And that's what drives you. That's what shapes your whole life. Or it could be your friendships and your social circle or your, or your coworkers. What do those people do and not do? Are your hobbies in the same ballpark? Your car in the same ballpark? Your house in the same ballpark? Or for us, a bigger thing often sometimes is our social media feed, right? What other people that we know on Instagram and Facebook are doing and not doing, the way that they think, the way they talk, the way they live, right? And, and we're constantly comparing ourselves to them and trying to figure out, okay, I want to be like these people in this group, but not this other group. Or maybe it's just the rest of America, right? Let me submit to, this, let me submit to you that this passage is far more painful as Americans to apply than we would like to admit, do we have more money than other people in America that we know? Are we more trustworthy? Are we more or less physically fit than them? How do our politics relate to them? How do our cultural values relate to them? See, there's going to be a conflict, friends, between our values and American values. There will be, because the gospel has confronted and shaped and shattered every culture that it has come in contact with. And American culture is no exception. That's why I get nervous when people kind of say things like, I'm for God and country, as if they're like on the same line, as if the Constitution and the gospel are similarly set in their hearts. And Paul is talking to Roman citizens and saying, no, 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 no. You, you need to drop this a peg or 12 because this is your Constitution. This is your pattern of life. This is the gospel. And if you are being more shaped by your culture, your country's values than the gospel's values, then you have a problem. Paul is saying that our pattern gets reset. The gospel becomes our everything. Commentators Chan and Merida say this, believers are making a statement about the gospel, not only with their lips, but also with their lives. The gospel is about love. Therefore, we should be known as loving people. The gospel is about justice. Therefore, we should be a justice-seeking people. The gospel is about life. Therefore, we should display visible vitality and joy in our life and relationships. The gospel is about liberty. Therefore, we should not be stuffy legalists. The gospel is about humility. Therefore, we should be a humble people, gladly serving others. Right, do you get kind of the idea of what he's saying? He's saying, listen, if the gospel is this, then it has implications for our lives. That pattern then begins to reshape us. That is Paul's plea. Live as worthy gospel citizens. Second, though, the profile. What does it look like to live worthy? The profile. Now, we can't talk about everything the gospel changes in one message. That's what the whole Bible is for. Um, but it's helpful to give an overview, and there's three things that Paul kind of shows us that show up in a profile of living as a worthy gospel citizen. First is our relationship to the gospel. We stand firm. Paul says, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. we had more time with you today, but sadly, that's all we have to share from Pastor Ricky's message today. However, you don't have to stop learning from the happiest book in the Bible. 
We'd like to encourage you to read ahead in Philippians and let the joy Jesus has to give you become your go-to emotion. If you'd like to hear today's message again or listen to other Better News Radio series, we'd like to invite you to visit betternewsradio.com. You'll even be able to subscribe to our podcast, watch Pastor Ricky's welcome video, and download a free book. If you're searching for a church in your area, we'd also like to point you to the church tab at betternewsradio.com. There you'll find a resource to help you locate a great community of faith that would be happy to welcome you into their family. If you're in El Paso, we'd love to have you come by Cross of Grace Church. Find directions and service times at the church tab as well, right there online at betternewsradio.com. We know that some of our listeners today may be experiencing some difficulties in life, and we'd like to let you know that you're being prayed for regularly here at Better News Radio. If you ever have a specific request you'd like us to take before the Lord, feel free to give us a call. Our number is 915-562-7100. That's 915-562-7100. Thanks again for being part of our listening audience. Join us next time to keep experiencing the happiest book in the Bible, right here on Better News Radio.